what is up, you guys, and welcome to the Morning Hour podcast. I am one of your hosts, Allison. I'm your other host, Katie. And this is episode one. (laughs) And we thought that for the first episode of the podcast, we would talk about something that we're both pretty familiar with, and that being Galveston, Texas. So bear with us as we're really nervous and really excited to do this, but... Yeah, we thought we would give you like a little rundown of Galveston history, including the Great Storm of 1900 and what decided to linger after the fact. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, so let's get started. So at the end of the 19th century, the city of Galveston, Texas was a booming metropolis with a population of 37,000. Its position on the harbor of Galveston Bay along the Gulf of Mexico made it the center for trade in Texas and one of the largest cotton ports in the nation in competition with New Orleans. During the golden era of Galveston's history, the city was home to a number of state firsts that include the first post office in 1836, the first naval base also in 1836, the first cotton compress in 1842, the first insurance company in 1854, the first gas lights in 1856, the first Roman Catholic hospital, which is St. Mary's Hospital in 1866, the first Jewish Reform congregation in 1868, the first opera house in 1870, the first orphanage in 1876, the first telephone in 1878, the first electric lights in 1883, the first medical college, which is now the University of Texas Medical Branch in in 1891, excuse me, and the first school for nurses in 1890. So a lot of firsts. I didn't realize that that's where like all of those started in Texas in Galveston. I had no idea until I read your notes the other day. (laughs) I was like, yeah, like that's, that's crazy. Um, The Great Storm, as it's known today, is still coined as the deadliest natural disaster in U.S. history. It struck Galveston, Texas on September 8, 1900, with historians estimating between 10,000 and 12,000 people losing their lives. Of these deaths, at least 6,000 were on the island of Galveston. Among the dead, tragically, were 10 sisters and 90 children from the St. Mary's Orphans Asylum. The sisters had used like clothing line to to tie the children to their waist so they wouldn't be swept away by the floodwaters which is just like it's awful heartbreaking although the storm struck galveston with 120 mile per hour sustained winds most of the deaths were caused by drowning as a 16 foot storm surge washed over the city survivors wrote of wind that sounded quote like a thousand little devils shrieking and whistling end quote Mm. yeah that's really rough As this Category 4 hurricane approached the Texas coast, the people of Galveston were unaware of the destruction to come. Residents at the time did not have much warning of storms or hurricanes, as advances in forecasts came in the following decades, from the development of wireless communications from ships at sea, weather radar, and eventually weather satellites. The amount of dead bodies that littered the island was so insurmountable that burying them was impossible. About 700 of the bodies were taken out to the sea and dumped. However, after Gulf currents washed many of the bodies back onto the beach, they needed to come up with a plan B. Funeral pyres were set up on the beaches or wherever dead bodies were found and burned day and night for several weeks after the storm. So basically, they just like built this kind of, not cage, but almost like this 
like a bonfire of bodies basically can you imagine that and like the smell oh oh i don't even want to think about that that's disgusting i mean it's heartbreaking but oh yeah the work was so gruesome that authorities actually passed out free whiskey to sustain the men who were collecting and burning the bodies Mm, there you go that's where the smell comes in (laughs) (laughs) they get so drunk that they don't even can't even register the smell or the what they're actually doing oh that's god So it's safe to say that this hurricane forever changed the course of the island, which at the time was known as the Wall Street of the South, with more millionaires occupying the island per capita than any other American city in the decades leading up to the storm. The storm brought an end to the golden era of Galveston. Wow. So it was really booming up until... Oh, yeah. That's it's weird to think about that now yeah. because of just a little more than a tourist attraction now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's awesome, but but I mean, that's I mean, think about what it could have been now if the storm hadn't happened. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But eventually, the island was rebuilt. The city of Galveston hired a team of three engineers to design structures for the protection from future storms: Alfred Noble, Henry Martin Robert, and H. C. Ripley. The team recommended and designed a seawall. The first three miles of the Galveston seawall, 17 feet high, were built beginning in 1902. In July 1904, the first segment was completed, though construction of the seawall continued for several decades, with the final segment finished in 1963. That's crazy that it took 60 years to finish the seawall. That long, yeah. I didn't know that. Upon completion, the seawall in its entirety stretched for more than 10 miles. Another dramatic effort to protect Galveston was its raising, also recommended by Noble, Robert, and Ripley. Approximately 15 million cubic yards of sand was dredged from the Galveston shipping channel to raise the city, some sections by as much as 17 feet. Over 2,100 buildings were raised in the process of pumping sand underneath. Wow. However, after the storm, development growth shifted to Houston, which reaped the benefits of the oil boom, particularly after the discovery of oil at Spindletop in Beaumont, Texas, on January 10, 1901. The dredging of the Houston Ship Channel began in 1909, which opened in 1914, ending Galveston's hopes of regaining its former status as a major commercial center. Today, Galveston is a popular tourist attraction and an easy vacation spot for those who live in southeast Texas. With a history as tragic as Galveston's, it's easy to see why so many people flock here to see what happens to be lingering. Today, we're going to take a look at a few of the places within Galveston that are said to hold spirits that have yet to move on. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Creepy creeps, (laughs) as you said earlier. Creepy creeps. Okay, so the first place that I'm going to talk a little bit about is the Ashton Villa. Located at 2328 Broadway Street, the Ashton Villa Mansion is an immense three-story palace-like mansion built by a proud, wealthy hardware businessman, James Brown, who believed in showing his wealth. This residence is thought to be the first Albrook home built in Texas and took four years to build from 1861 to 1865. Another first. Albrook! Albrook! The showplace of this glorious villa was and is the ornate formal living room called the Gold Room, located near an alcove within the spacious everyday living room. There's a grand center stairway that connects the floors with the customary landings on each floor. It is one of the only buildings to have withstood the great storm. Oh, wow. James Brown died in 1895 and passed on one of his largest assets to his children. He left the Ashton Villa to his eldest daughter, Betty Brown, and another residence to his other daughter, Mathilda? 
not Matilda. It has an H in there. So it's Mathilda, and her nickname was Tilly. I think it's still Matilda. Is it still Matilda? Oh, I think. It has the word math in it. Mm, Mathilda. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, we're dumb. Okay. Was she good at long division? Possibly. Was long division a thing back in the 1800s? What? Let's get off this topic before we sound really stupid. (laughs) Okay. It's been a long time since I've taken a math class. I mean, same, yeah. During the Civil War, Ashton Villa was put to good use as a hospital for Confederate soldiers. And as Galveston was at various times under the control of either the Union forces or the Confederate forces, Ashton Villa became the headquarters for whatever general was in control at the time. So basically, like, this was like a meeting, like a meeting hub for different... I remember reading that it changed hands, like, several times throughout the Civil War. I didn't know that before, about between Confederate... Union. Yeah. Weird. So Betty Brown grew up in an atmosphere of abundance of material goods and privilege. And it's said that she loved to travel, find adventure, and she was considered a free spirit who had absolutely no desire to get married, have children, and settle down. She spent most of her time collecting beautifully expensive objects and hosting huge parties. So she was just like living her best life. (laughs) The ghost of Betty Brown has been seen standing in the gold room, standing at the top of the staircase, and heard playing the piano at one of her famous music recitals. People on tours have reported feeling a presence joining them on the tour. Mm. A chest of drawers purchased in the Middle East stands in Betty Brown's day room. It reportedly locks and unlocks spontaneously, even though the key has been missing for years. Ceiling fans have been known to turn themselves on and off, One bed refuses to stay made, and no matter how many times a day the sheets are straightened, they end up messed up anyway. The day room, incidentally, was the only room where Betty could go without wearing her quote-unquote stays. Don't know what that is. Maybe pajamas? Is that what that is? is like, oh my god, I'm gonna be wrong about this. I did a little bit of fashion class. Um, It's like a corset. I think it's like an old version of a corset. Oh. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but (laughs) I think, yeah. Okay. A stay is similar to a corset. I thought that that wouldn't be pajamas because you're staying at home Mm. in your pajamas. Well, I'm wrong. I can see how you would come to that conclusion. (laughs) Anyway, she apparently spent a lot of her time in this day room. The top of the staircase where Betty's ghost has been seen leads to the day room. So looks like Betty likes to spend a lot of time in the day room, even in the afterlife. So, Matilda Brown married a man named Thomas Sweeney in 1884, and the trouble really started about seven years later, with Thomas being extremely abusive toward Matilda, and even causing their children to scatter and hide when he would come home from work each day. This abuse was known by maids, family members, and neighbors, so actually she went door to door, gathering like eyewitness reports of the abuse for the divorce proceedings. Mm. Badass. After the divorce, Tilly was granted possession of the house that they lived in, which was built by her father, and custody of her children despite usually strict Victorian marriage laws, stating that the man would gain ownership of the woman's properties and inheritances while married. Oh, gross. So, so basically, back then, it didn't matter if the home was given to her by her father, if they got divorced, it was still the man's Mm. basically but because she had all of these eyewitness reports 
who, you know, agreed with her that she was abused. We know you're a woman, but, like, I guess we'll let you have your own property. Because, like, you could prove that your husband beat you. So, like, I guess. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) That's pretty much what it was. Thanks. So we talked a little bit already about the hauntings in the house with Betty. So one of the Ashton Villa tour guides reports that she saw a beautiful golden-haired woman in a turquoise evening gown holding an ornate fan standing on the second floor landing. This apparition is, of course, suspected to be Miss Betty Brown. Mm. Lucy Testa, who is a former manager at the Ashton Villa, states that on February 18th of 1991, the mansion's alarm went off without cause. Later that same day, as she closed the mansion, she noticed the ceiling fan was on at the top of the stairs. She turned it off, but the next morning she found the fan on again. She later discovered that this date, February 18th, was Miss Betty's birthday. Hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So, another story goes that a caretaker residing in the carriage house was awakened from a sound sleep by the sound of a piano playing. Fearing a break-in, he went to investigate. The music was coming from the gold room. Expecting to confront a burglar or vandal, he quietly slipped into the room. There at the piano, he saw the faint image of a woman in 19th century attire. A mere moment later, both the figure and the music faded. The caretaker was later quoted as saying that he turned on every light in the house and remained awake for the rest of the night. So a publication of the Galveston Historical Foundation states that Miss Betty never learned to play the piano in life. She was an accomplished painter whose works were on display throughout the house, but her sister played both piano and violin. So mm-hmm. it seemed to be that any like apparition that has to do with like the piano or music, it's thought to be Matilda. Which, to me, doesn't really make a lot of sense because she didn't live there. So I don't know why she would be tied to that house particularly instead of the house that she was actually given to by her father. That's a good question. Civil War era soldiers have been seen by staff both inside and outside of the house. Considering, like I said before, the Ashton Villa was also used as a hospital for Confederate soldiers. There are rumors of marching soldiers moving through the house and on the grounds. Hmm. So yeah. That's that's really all of the hauntings that Ashton Villa have. So it's nothing really like creepy or anything. It seems as if the people who are, you know, I guess, quote unquote, stuck, don't really have anything negative or, you know, menacing about them. They're just kind of there. Yeah, there's not really any negative energy. Mm-mm. It's just like, it's weird. Yeah. I mean, granted, I don't think I would want to see Miss Betty Brown either way but you know at least it doesn't seem like there's any kind of you know negative energy like you said weird so yeah that was the ashton villa cool so spooky spook so what do you have (laughs) so um one i did research on is the tremont house yes which is a hotel Mm -hmm. in galveston um it's still there but it's actually been built three different times We've been there. Uh, Twice. Twice, actually. We've never stayed overnight. Mm -mm. And actually, at the time, didn't have any idea that there was any kind of haunting situation. I mean, you could guess as much, I suppose, when you walk in. I mean, you can can pretty much guess with anything in Galveston, realistically. Yeah, I mean, like, the whole island gives off a weird vibe. But um, we went to the rooftop bar because Mm -hmm. they, I I don't know how recent it is, but I want to say it's pretty new. I want to, yeah, I'm not sure exactly when, but... It's a beautiful hotel. Oh, absolutely. Gorgeous. It's like in the Strand District, um, some of the historic areas in Galveston. And uh, we've been there a couple of times. They have a really cool rooftop bar. 
in I think it's the only rooftop bar in the city. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um, it's really beautiful, but I'm just now recently found out all the history on it. And it is apparently said to be haunted. So um, as it stands, current version has been standing since the 80s. But the first version was actually built in 1839. So it's really, really old. A ball was held to celebrate both its opening and the anniversary of the Battle of San Jacinto, actually. That marked wow. Texas's independence from Mexico. Jeez, okay. Yeah, so it's been around since before Texas was a state. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. In 1865, a huge fire destroyed the building, and it wasn't rebuilt for another several years. Hmm. I couldn't find any, um, I'm sure it's out there, but I didn't find any information on what actually caused that fire, though. Weird. Yeah, so that was the first rendition. I mean, back in the day, everything was so, like, faulty, so it really, there's no telling. That's true. It could have been literally anything. The second version um, opened a few years later in 1872, and it was supposedly more grand than the first. It had four stories. Oh, wow. The first one just had two. So during the 1900 hurricane that we were talking about earlier that devastated the island, uh, the Tremont House actually survived. Yeah. Um, And it was used as a makeshift morgue to house bodies during the aftermath, um, which kind of explains a lot. Uh, as far as hauntings go. Ultimately, the building was condemned and demolished in 1928 as the economy was taking a turn for the worse, you know, yeah. right around the Depression era. Um, and so after that, it wasn't rebuilt until 1982 when a preservationist couple named Cynthia and George Mitchell bought the Leon and H. Blum building, turned it into a brand new hotel that is still standing and active today. So there are several different specific ghosts that continue to be reported um, at this version of the Tremont House. Mm -hmm. But most of them are not menacing as far as like the the specific ones. So there's everything from like a playful, friendly little boy who plays tricks on new employees I've read about. Still don't like it. I mean, yeah, like I still wouldn't want to experience any of this. I mean, I, (laughs) I love kids. I do not want to be played with. (laughs) <laughs> by a little boy that may or may not even be there. By a giggling small child. No. Go play with the other ghost friends, kid. Sorry. <laughs> so there's that one, and there's also a like a Civil War soldier. Seems to be a running theme. <laughs> a Civil War soldier that um, they say like his boots can be heard like click-clacking across the marble floor of the lobby. Nope. And yeah, no, I'll pass. Um, Hard pass for me. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a few like specific ones, but it was nothing super, um, you know, menacing. Yeah. But um, as for like the random activity that's set to happen, like in some of the rooms, that feels a little more menacing. Like I found some stories about some of it's just weird. Yeah. Like, oh, the lights are going off and on. But a lot of it is like, oh, my God, something touched me. You know, Mm-mm. no, thanks. So but a lot of that like random unexplained activity that happens in the rooms is said to be possibly the souls of those who perished from the 1900 hurricane. Um, I'd say that could make a lot of sense considering the building was used as a makeshift more. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, so the third and fourth floors are said to be particularly haunted and guests have reported experiencing like, you know, the typical lights flickering on and off in the rooms. Yeah. Um, there's been like out of the blue screams, which would scare the shit out of me. Oh, absolutely Uh, not. Like just laying there and then all of a sudden here's like a really loud yell. No, thank you. Um, ghastly touches from, like, seemingly no one (laughs) in the middle of the night. Yeah. Okay. Like, I don't... See, you're saying all of this, and I'm taking it all in, (laughs) but at the same time, I'm... Everything you say, I'm like, nope. Yeah, every... Everything I read about, I was like, well, I'm really glad that we just went directly up to the rooftop bar, and we didn't stay overnight. This literally... (laughs) This makes the Ashton Villa look like Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This... Like, I don't want to get touched by a ghost in the middle of the night. Absolutely not. 
Um, it says that they said that the um, activity supposedly heightened during storms, which is kind of where that people get sense. the idea of them being the souls of storm victims. They're like, oh, well, you know, I mean, it's windy and rainy outside. And yeah. all of a sudden we hear someone like howling and crying like they're reliving, you know, what happened to them. <sighs> Horrific. Yeah. So some employees of the hotel are even convinced of the hauntings. It's kind of like a running thing. Like I was reading TripAdvisor reviews even mm-hmm. on the hotel and like the uh, GM, I guess, was responding in even kind of like. Uh, confirming some of these yeah (laughs) you know like glad you got to experience our ghosts kind of a situation that's not a direct quote yeah (laughs) you know something like that and I was like okay so everybody's kind of in on this I mean I but part of me wonders if like that's what they kind of use as kind of like a tourist I think it is because I mean Galveston has so many different ghost tours there's oh yeah like just like like San Antonio for instance they both have tons and tons of ghost tours Mm -hmm. so I mean they really kind of like they play it up. Uh, yeah, they really play it up a lot. Yeah. Uh, one thing that was con- kind of confusing to me on um, the fact of it being haunted is, like, this version of it wasn't built until the 80s. Yeah. And they weren't all built in the same exact spot. They're all in the same general area. Yeah. I was on, I was, like, elbow deep in Google Maps trying to figure out. I was like, what street is this? And, you know? <laughs> Where like, was this at? The first one was built on this street. The second one was built on that street, this corner. You know, but they're all in the same general vicinity. But um, the the Leon H. Blum building that they did rebuild the one in the 80s into mm-hmm. was the area that was used as a morgue during. So, yeah, I was like, okay. Well, so it makes sense. It still makes sense, yeah. So um, some of the employees of the hotel, like I said, are even convinced of the hauntings. Many of them experienced the spooky happenings themselves. I found a kind of short, like a 26-minute documentary on YouTube created by a paranormal channel called Strange Town. Uh, the video itself is from 2015 and uh, it features an employee of the hotel giving a tour to the two gentlemen and telling her own experiences as well as the experiences of other employees and guests so the experiences she describes range from seeing ghostly orbs and photographs um, seeing actual specters hearing phantom crying and voices i don't like phantom anything. um yeah no thanks Except danny phantom <laughs> danny phantom oh my god <laughs> danny phantom <laughs> forgot about that show um sorry (laughs) no you're good um so that and feeling cold drafts and smelling strange smells which uh -uh. like hopefully not like sulfur no heard that like sulfur is like coincided with like demonic activity oh oh no like the way she described it if i remember right she said basically some a smell that's not necessarily bad and not necessarily good but it just gives you a weird feeling and makes you like want to get out of the room as fast as possible she uh even apparently had a door slam shut on her once and um she's like in the video she's showing you know how heavy this door is like she led the guys to it and she's like you can see that this door like it drags across the floor there's no way that it could just easily slam from like air you know um so that's terrifying um and after interviewing the employee the guys actually stay the night at the hotel themselves and they're decked out and all their like you know ghost busting equipment or whatever um sorry <laughs> ghost i will never <laughs> you know moving on so they have like night vision they have a, a mel meter um they're looking for electromagnetic fields in the air and my least favorite, a spirit box <laughs> to hear from spirits no. using white noise. Yeah, like the whole shebang. See, I have a white noise machine right on our mm-hmm. bedside table right there. <laughs> yeah, now I'm terrified of it. I'm so sorry. 
it's fine so during the whole time like they're doing this video they get like a few um emf spikes particularly along an outside wall that end up being explained they think by an electrical junction and a high voltage line that's outside that makes sense um it runs close to an area between the third and fourth floors they said which is where most of the haunted activity is said to be experienced um, interestingly enough, the guys actually postulate that the paranormal phenomena the guests are experiencing could just be from these areas of the hotel that yield such high electromagnetic field ratings, because there's a theory out there that says high EMF levels can cause hallucinations. Okay. I had never heard of that before. Yeah, me neither. Of course, I like kind of delved into it after I heard that. I did a little research, and apparently there isn't really much out there to support that theory. So... At first, I was like, aha, busted. Like, it's not haunted. But then, like, the more you read about it, like, that's kind of just something it seems like people reach for to see, like, I guess, like, just an explanation for the paranormal because it, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It makes people feel better, I guess. Not a lot of evidence. And whether or not a power line can create the level of EMF that would be needed to induce hallucinations, I have no idea. So, yeah, that's another point. Like, even if it is real would these things actually generate enough you know to cause hallucinations it's an interesting theory but it doesn't seem to account for some of the employees and visitors like more jarring experiences in the hotel like even these guys are recording and they're hearing like voices in their spirit box and all that you know so i'm like i don't know that just doesn't seem right to me so yeah on that note the guys do have some encounters with the spirit box the voices um even mention the words like flood Oh. Cruise ship at one point. Oh, my God. Uh, And they seem to respond to the guy's questions. And uh, one of the guys, I think his name was Mark or something. And through the spirit box, they hear one of the spirits say, Mark. Say, hello, Mark. Yeah. And I was like, "Mm, I don't like this. If anything that I cannot see ever calls me out by name, I am crying, (laughs) pooping, throwing up. Like, I am doing, I am doing all bodily function (laughs) (laughs) all at once all at once yeah Yeah, no thanks so with all this information in mind i fell down like a rabbit hole reading reviews of the tremont house like current modern reviews online to get a better grasp on some of the like people who stay there's firsthand experiences um and if you want i can read some of the spookiest ones absolutely and we can discuss them so the reviews are not in like any particular order, but um, okay. they're all like something. But I, I do have like a, a couple of them. I think I marked as the creepiest to me, but there's just a few. Okay. So let's start. This one is from uh, 2012. So we stayed at the Tremont Sunday, September 9th, 2012, the night before our carnival cruise, says this person. We were tired at 10.30 and were awakened by all the lights turning on at midnight and again at 2.19 a.m. Then at around 4, I nudged my husband and told him I had to go to the bathroom. Would he turn on the lights? The very second I said turn on the lights, the lights turned on. Creepy. We had a really difficult time getting back to sleep after each incident. I was too scared to get out of bed, but finally around 5 or 6, I could no longer wait and decided to get up in the dark and turn on the bathroom light only. I turned it on and sat down on the toilet, and boom, the light went out. I hollered for my husband to turn on the lights. It didn't do it again, but then we never went back to sleep either. When we told the desk at checkout, we asked if the hotel was having any electrical problems and was told no. Then they gave the oh-so-sorry story, but did nothing about it. Said, we'll have management call, never heard a word. 
We had taken pictures earlier in the day and found a couple of really strange shadows and two orbs. On the wall looked just like a man with a mustache and possibly a beard. We stayed in room 424, so fourth floor. Okay. So that's one of them. That's pretty weird. I do not like the idea of, like, taking pictures throughout, like, your trip and then all of a sudden going back and looking at them and seeing, like, orbs and stuff. I know. That's super weird. I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah. Not a fan. Okay. So this is another one, and this one is actually pretty recent. It's from 2021. Uh, This person says, quote, we stayed in a corner master suite room number 206. I think that is what they called it. Anyway, the corner bedroom lamp kept coming on and turning off all by itself in the daytime slash nighttime, and even after we unplugged it. Now, I am a believer in this stuff, but my husband isn't, and he witnessed the most. Lastly, around 3 a.m., there was a super loud Tarzan scream right above our heads in bed. What? What would that even mean? I don't know. Like Like a... a... Oh, oh my God. I don't know. That is terrifying. I don't know. Okay, okay. Okay, back to the quote. She said, um, we both jumped up and looked around and could not figure out what just happened. It was so loud, like a big speaker was on the bed. You know how you can hear a crackle in the background when a speaker is turned on loud with nothing playing? Well, that was it. During and after the Tarzan scream, there was a white noise crackle. No, our phones do not have a Tarzan ringtone. The TV was off, and no, there wasn't a radio in the room. Nothing touched us. I did not see any shadow figures, and we were not hurt in any way, shape, or form. Cannot figure it all out. Stumped. I think that room is haunted. My husband thinks the room is rigged to make people think it's haunted, but I seriously doubt that. End quote. So we have a little bit of a conspiracy going on. A little bit of a conspiracy. So, but I kind of get why he might think that if they said they heard like a a, a crackle, like a white noise radio yeah. crackle. So that's kind of weird. Unless like somebody in like a room like next to theirs had like a white noise machine that's true or something i mean because i know our white noise machine can get pretty loud yeah i mean it's supposed to drown out like outside noise for like a baby okay yeah so i mean maybe maybe but i mean even so that's still pretty pretty spooky. i can't get over the tarzan scream because i wonder if they mean like literally like the tarzan yell from the because that would just be super weird. <laughs> and it's just so unsettling knowing that there's something, even if it's a human, like like an actual person, just Tarzan screaming. Because, I mean, what if they were, right. like, getting attacked or something like that? Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, that maybe it's, just, it it's just super unsettling because you don't know where you know, the scream was coming from or who was yeah. doing it. And she said it was like right above our heads in bed. And I'm like, what the hell? That's so weird. I don't like that. Yeah, yeah I'm not a fan. So these, um, the next two that I'm going to read are like, to me, the creepier ones. Okay. But that's just my personal opinion. All right, let's creep me out. Thank All you. Right. <laughs> let's do it. So this is, let's see. Quote, my wife and I stayed in the Magnolia Suite in room 306. Okay, so third floor. Third floor. Upon entering the room, we were really happy with the first-class surroundings. We did some research and saw the stories on the history of the building and figured it was a historic building and it would be a good experience. Little did we know what would happen. It started that evening when we got to the room at about 11.30. My wife wanted to listen to Pandora music on her phone, so she turned it on and she had a full charge on her phone. After about five minutes, her battery was drained to zero. I turned my mm. phone, which had a full charge, to Pandora Music, and within 30 seconds, it was drained to zero. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. 
We then prepared to go to sleep. We turned the lamps off above the bed and opened one of the long windows for a bit of light so it would not be too dark. Suddenly, one of the lights above the bed came on and flickered on and off. We sort of laughed it off. It was almost 1.30 a.m. and I could not sleep. I suddenly felt someone grab my toe through the blankets and apply pressure to my right toe. Oh, no. Yeah, no. No, no, thank you. (laughs) I woke my wife up and told her about it. She told me to close my eyes and go to sleep. I then tried very hard to sleep, but within a minute or so, I felt a hand brush through the blanket against my right thigh. I woke her up again, and once again, she told me to try to sleep, that it was probably a spirit, but it won't hurt you. What? (laughs) Oh, hey, honey, something just touched my leg. Oh, yeah, it's probably just a ghosty. (laughs) Don't worry about it. No. I mean, I'm sure she meant well, but... <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she did, but at the same time, girl, how would you how would you feel if something brushed up against your leg? Okay, really? true. Yeah. <laughs> but at the, okay, quote. He said, at this point, I could not sleep. I was lying there with my eyes open in the dark. I felt my right toe being pinched again through the blanket. I woke my wife up again and told her. She once again assured me that it must be a friendly spirit playing with me and try to sleep and it will go away. I told her I could not sleep and I will stay up all night as I would not be able to sleep as it kind of scared me to physically feel something pull my toe through the blanket. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. She, <laughs> she rolled over and I tried to sleep and laid there with my eyes open. About 15 minutes later, I started crying and was very, very sad. This is bizarre oh. to me. He said, I noticed the tears running down my face and then in the living room area could hear a woman's muffled scream. Oh. I then woke my wife up and told her I'm not crazy and I heard a woman scream in the other room and I took my wife's hand and made her feel the tears on my face as I was sad and crying for some reason. Oh. So, in quote for a second, that makes me feel like he's trying to say that he didn't know why he was crying. It was just like happening. So something's like messing with his like emotions. Yeah. As he was like hearing this woman's muffled like cry or scream in the other room. Yeah. I'm like, no. So, quote, I begged her for us to just pack up and leave. She said it was not safe to drive back to Houston in the middle of the night. I told her I would drive part of the ways and she could drive the other, and she again refused to leave. I then decided to close my eyes and try to sleep, and eventually I did fall asleep, as when I woke, it was close to 8 a.m. I woke my wife up, and she gave me a good morning kiss as she got out of bed and went to use the restroom. She returned and asked me to look at her stomach. She had two handprints showing fingers impressed. Oh, God. With both thumbs meeting in her belly button area. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. It was oh. a small hand as either a woman or child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were numb. Something had touched her and left the hand impression on her stomach. We loved the hotel, but it was a bit more haunting than we wanted it to be. End quote. Yeah. And that one is from 2013. Oh, my God. These are TripAdvisor reviews, by the way. I don't remember if I gave credit to the website earlier. but So, ah, oh, just the, like the thought of waking up and having handprints like on your stomach. Like, cause it's, it's almost as if you can't, like you guys listening can't hear, like can't see me. But I'm like, like almost having my hand in like a W shape. Mm-hmm. Like pushing on someone's stomach. That's so weird. Yeah. Like it, by their belly. That's ugh. And he says it was small hands, so it makes you wonder if it was, he said a woman like or a, a child. child. And the, the specifics of the belly, it makes you wonder if it was like a woman like felt connected to her somehow. Like, womb like a or something. Womb or, oh my God. You know, ugh. like, I don't know. That's wild. But something was brushing like his hip 
I think he said, or his thigh. He said, yeah, his thigh. And his toe, touching his toe and stuff. That's and then so she's all like, oh, just go to sleep. It's just, I'm sure it's just a friendly spirit. And then she wakes <laughs> up and she has these markings. Yeah. Oh, like, what? That's, that's a lot. Uh-huh. So that one, that one freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. Um, this next one is the last one that I uh, took note of. And it's actually the oldest that I could find. It's from 2009. And it's pretty creepy, too. So let me read it. Let's go. Quote, we received a great holiday discount for our first stay at the Tremont and thought the hotel was beautiful and conveniently located for the Strand Street. We had no clue that the hotel had a history of being haunted on the third and fourth floor. My husband and 16-year-old daughter were assigned to room 344. When my daughter initially entered the room, she stated that it gave her an eerie feeling. When we, when we retired to bed around 10 p.m., about 20 minutes later, the ceiling fan turned on full blast. My husband got up and turned it off, just thinking it odd. Around 2 a.m., a thunderstorm rolled in, and my daughter woke up hearing knocking sounds at the outside window and footsteps. Oh. Yeah. She was hot, so she got up and turned on the fan for air, and while we were laying there listening to the storm, the fan clicked off by itself. That freaked us out then. Over by the window where her father was sleeping, we saw darkness pass the crack of light that was shining in from the curtain. And less than a minute later, we heard three low, deep moans on our room, very close to our faces. Male, and not my sleeping husband. (laughs) Unlike any noise we had ever heard, and each time it increased in volume. We were very scared. Then my daughter and I were basically hanging on to each other, facing each other, lying on our sides. And I felt an unusual pain, like a knife stabbed into my ribcage. So, oh my God. Yeah. So I rolled over and it remained there and felt very real for at least five minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. If I had been alone in that room, I would have left it at that point, but I thought we were safe with my husband there. I have never been a believer in paranormal activity until now. We reported to the front desk the next morning and they said they had reports of third floor hauntings before. So we Googled the history of the Tremont when we got home and found that others had experienced the same haunting that we had. So if you want a real paranormal experience, stay in room 344, especially if there's a storm brewing. Good luck. End oh, quote. I don't like the good luck. <laughs> I know. She That's threw that in there. very ominous. Mm-hmm. So oh, that was the one that freaked me out the most just because she said she felt a stabbing pain. Yeah. Like, in the low, deep moans, like, that sounded like an angry ghost. Like whatever. something guttural? Ugh. Yeah. I no. was like, no, thanks. The other one seemed, like, creepy, but potentially friendly or just yeah just weird but that one i was like okay something and I mean, didn't and like them being in that room and a lot of those could be like explained as something like electrical you know and stuff yeah, like that like the lights going the on lights off, the ceiling fans the stuff like that all of that could be electrical but the phantom the phantom feelings. feelings i don't like that right and so that brings me back to the idea of the guys from strange town on youtube saying well what if it's emf um you know like high electromagnetic field hallucinations and i mean i've never like hallucinated before personally so i don't really know what all that would entail i guess but um it just seems un unreal to think that like you would feel those kinds of things and it would just be hallucinating you know, I don't know. Like the toe thing, grabbing of the toe. And yeah, I don't like I felt that. something stab me. Like, that can't be full-on hallucinations no. because they're also, at the same time, they're experiencing real things like the, like her daughter next to her and her, like, seeing her sleeping husband. Yeah. You're not full-blown hallucinating at that point, right? I mean, if it you're doesn't... able to, like, register what's happening around you, but you're also feeling these things, I wouldn't think that that's, like, 
full-blown hallucination. Right. It didn't seem that way to me either. So I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of convinced. <laughs> I, I mean, am I going to stay there to find out? Mm. Probably not. And if I do, I'm staying on like the second floor. <laughs> one of these, I don't remember which one, one of them said they were in a room on the second floor. It was Wait, like really? Something. Yeah, the, was... the one from 2021, she said, we stayed in a corner master suite, room number 206. Oh, never mind. Okay. I'm yeah. just going to stay at the Holiday Inn. But the rest that. of them were like third and fourth floor experiences. But that particular one, that last one with the knife uh, feeling, that was room 344, if anybody's uh, interested. Don't stay in that room. And if you <laughs> or do, do, and if you do, let us know if you... You know, experienced anything if you weird. get stabbed by a phantom, a phantom ghost a phantom with stabbing. a knife. Yeah, so that's like, the Tremont house. Okay, <laughs> I yes, got definitely. Most... Like I said before, definitely making the Ashton Villa look like Chuck E. Cheese. Uh huh. Yeah, I would say so. I'd rather see a piano playing ghost than get like stabbed by. One. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Okay, so the last place we're going to be talking about is the Grand Galvez, or a lot of people just call it the Hotel Galvez. Okay. So yeah, have see? you stayed there before? I think I have, but I was a child and I don't remember much about it. My yeah. family used to vacation in Galveston a lot when I was young. The same. <laughs> but I would not have known anything about the hauntings back exactly. then. Exactly. They so. wouldn't tell you that, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so located at 2024 Seawall Boulevard in Galveston, Texas, the Galvez is a massive hotel right off, right on the beach that has played host to the likes of Howard Hughes, Frank Sinatra, Jimmy Stewart, General Douglas MacArthur, and several U.S. presidents, including Franklin D. Roosevelt, Dwight Eisenhower, and Lyndon B. Johnson. Built in 1911, the magnificent Hotel Galvez was built on the site where the Beach Hotel, Electric Pavilion, and Pagoda Bathhouse once stood, and it quickly became known as the playground of the Southwest for socialites, businessmen, and celebrities. Galveston Island's only truly historic hotel, the Galvez, is reminiscent of a gilded age gone by. It's no surprise that a hotel with so much history should have its own mystery and haunted history. That rhymed. (laughs) Mystery and haunted history. It did. So, in particular, room number 505 is a hotbed of paranormal activity, and very few guests have managed to last the entire night in the room due to the uneasy feeling and general discomfort that they experience. Mm. People have described smelling the unexplained scent of gardenias in the room as well. Okay. Yeah. There are said to be a number of different spirits haunting the hotel, including one known as the Lovelorn Lady. There's oh. always a lovelorn lady, I feel. Oh, that's fancy. <laughs> she is apparently the ghost of a bride-to-be named Audra, who is staying at the Hotel Galvez while her fiancé was off at sea. She liked, the ta- she liked to take the elevator up to the eighth floor, where she could climb out onto one of the turrets on the roof and watch for her love's ship returning. Hmm. One night, following a terrible storm, but not the great storm, it doesn't seem... Um, Audra heard that his ship had been lost and in a fit of grief promptly hung herself in room 501. Ironically, her fiance arrived home safe only to learn of her death like a few days later. Oh my God. She is now said to haunt the room in which she died. Guests have had doors slam, lights a malfunction, and have seen strange lights and orbs in the room. Mm. 
Employees have also stated that they experience problems when attempting to make electronic keys for the Room 501, as if something or someone is interfering with the electronic equipment that makes the keys. So, I mean, you know how hotels nowadays, it's not like an actual key. It's like electronic. And so apparently whenever they go to make the keys for 501, they're having problems. Oh. I don't like that. (laughs) An updated modern ghost. Yes. (laughs) There are also many reports of the apparition of a nun named Sister Catherine who haunts the West Wing of the hotel. No. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Since some of the bodies after the storm were buried where they were found, it's rumors it's rumored that the body of the sister and all of the young orphans attached to her by the rope were buried on the property where the Galvez Hotel now sits. That's the St. Mary's Orphanage you were talking about earlier. Yes. Yeah. And that's where the Walmart is now, right? Yeah. It's it's, it's like right near by, the Gal- yeah. uh-huh. mm. <laughs> People also claim to possibly see one of the orphans. The little girl is another unexplained apparition that has been seen from time to time in the hotel. She is often described as wearing 1900-era period clothing and bouncing a ball. I don't know why I said era period. Anyway. (laughs) Staff have reported seeing her in the hotel lobby, near the hotel gift shop, on the staircase, and on multiple floors of the hotel. Most recently, she was seen by construction workers who were working to turn the hotel basement into a luxury spa. Construction workers complained to front desk staff that a little girl was playing in the construction area because they were afraid she was going to get hurt. Children can be heard playing throughout the hotel and especially on the third floor. Hmm. Guests report the sound of children running and laughing through the halls late at night when most children should be in bed. They are known to play with a piano bench in the lobby, knock over drink trays in the music hall, restaurant and bar and call out to female customers and guests who they could possibly identify as mommy oh no no thank you no there thanks ghost kids <laughs> like i'm sorry about not your, your luck. Mama. i'm sorry about your luck but i am not your mama hmm. there are also reports of children's laughter on the first floor bathroom near the music hall mm. yeah I don't do ghost kids. Okay. Yeah, ghost ghost children. No, like the twins nah. from The Shining. Nah, that's, nah. that's a core memory. That's a negative. Like that's a no for me. <laughs> so another story I read was that a female guest was using the hot tub and pool one night and came through the side door to use the first floor bathroom. It was late, around 11 p.m., and she reports that one once she was inside the bathroom stall, the lights went out. At first, she thought it was a friend who followed her to play a joke. However, she began to hear loud footsteps that sounded like boots on tile, followed by loud breathing, and finally a man <sighs> verbally said, get out. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. The combination sent her running, as it would anyone in their right mind, um, when she went back to the hot tub and found that no one from her friend group was missing. She then reported the incident to the security guard on duty, who immediately went to view security footage to see if someone had followed the woman inside the bathroom. Reportedly, the woman claimed security told her no one followed her into the bathroom and no one was seen exiting the bathroom after her. Okay. So, nobody knows who this man was. There's only been, you know, that one instance of somebody feeling, you know, threatened by, you know, someone telling them to get out. Is it possible to roundhouse kick a ghost in the face? <laughs> I mean... Because <laughs> I would have tried. You may need a spirit box to do it, but who knows? I don't know. 
Oh, that's really creepy. Yeah. I don't like that one. Yeah. Ew. So, I mean... Okay, so you the know, Galvez wins for creepiness. I factor. don't know the Tremont and the Galvez. They're like they're neck and neck. They're neck man. and neck. They're yeah. neck and neck. I wonder. I mean, the Galvez is like obviously way bigger and like fancier. I think even than the Tremont. Yeah. But I wonder if do we know anything about the the background of it? Like if it was ever used as a morgue or I tried finding you know some of it, but it didn't say that it was used as a morgue because it wasn't built yet. Okay, it wasn't it even was, around. Well, yeah, no, it was built in 1911. I think okay, they built okay. they built the Galvez in hopes of returning Galveston to some of its former glory, former glory. kind of thing. Okay, but it is in the same it's area as the, the orphanage. I mean, realistically, it doesn't have to be the building itself. It's the area. It's the, area, it's the ground. And yeah. if people were buried wherever they were found. Yeah. And that you storm know. killed so many people, and Galveston's oh God, not exactly. a big, no. like, surface area. Not at all. So the whole, like, the eerie feeling of the entire island, it makes you feel like it's just because, like, so many people died well, from I mean, that storm, and about it's a it. small six, area. 6,000 people, at yeah. least, that we know of, 6,000 people were buried on that island. Yeah. And, like, bad things happened to even the deceased bodies. I mean, people were stealing rings off of, like, jewelry off of bodies. And they tried, like you said earlier, to send them out to sea. And they just got, like, obviously the tide brought them back in. And it's just, like, horrific. Mm -hmm. I mean, and we can do, honestly, like, a 10-episode series on, the like, not even the hauntings of Galveston, but just why Galveston is so, like, why it has such, like, a thickness to the air. Yeah. I mean... We've, you know, the haunt, the Texas killing fields, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the, you know. That's true. Yeah. A lot of the women who were abducted, you know, we're some of Gal- them from yeah. were from Galveston. Between the Galveston and Houston area. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. so I mean, and also you have to think like how many people drown in the, you know, at the beach yeah. every year, you know, how many people like and there's more hurricanes it's not just yeah. the one from 1900 you know like i mean i mean and ike I, was a big one for exactly. galveston in 2000 was it eight or? i mean and i hate to bring it up but i mean you've seen someone die in galveston yeah yeah that's true like the, yeah i did it just it seems like there's just a lot a lot a lot a lot of like negative, negative yeah. energy like yeah. over in that area and I mean, we did. Which is strange because it's a vacation spot. Exactly. But... You wouldn't think, but I mean, and we didn't talk about like the Bishop's Palace or anything like that, but I will. We can I, touch on it. We'll we can... touch on it a little bit. We don't yeah. have like the notes in front of us or anything, but we'll touch on it. We actually visited the uh, Bishop's Palace. Was it 2020? Yeah. 2020, yeah, like... like March of 2020. Right before or COVID, like, really ravaged kicked the whole off. world. Yeah. yeah. So we actually took like a tour. Of the Bishop's Palace, which the Bishop's Palace is another one of the building, or I'm sorry, another another house that was like that survived the Great Storm mm-hmm. of 1900. Yeah, and um, I mean, I don't know, like, so a little bit of backstory. I don't like stairs. <laughs> it's not like I'm like a little baby. I'll walk downstairs. <laughs> it's mainly like outside concrete stairs that I'm not a fan of. Don't know why. It's just. I just don't like them. Everybody has their thing. I mean, I just don't like stairs. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I also don't like escalators, but that's because Final Destination really screwed me up. Um, <laughs> also, so- you have anxiety. So. <laughs> anxiety. Anxiety. I need a lobotomy. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Lattes and lobotomies. <laughs> mm, for our next podcast. <laughs> um, 
So the Bishop's Palace has like a grand staircase. It's gorgeous. It's very, very, very <laughs> beautiful. So I was able to go up it fine, you know, do the tour or whatever. Coming down, I could not step. Like I could not get my footing to make the first step onto these stairs. I don't know why. I just physically, my body could not do it. Like I said, I don't know. <laughs> I, I do not know why. Um, and I looked after the fact, and apparently I could not find it again whenever I was looking for it. But apparently some, like, other people have experienced, you know, the same feeling. Like, they just, they mm-hmm. had a weird feeling on the stairs. Yeah. And that's so just, like... Ugh, and like, the, to me is just so weird. There's nothing like special about the stairs in the sense no, of them being creepy. No. Like yeah. they just are big, pretty, like yeah. halfway kind of spirally stairs. They're really wide. Yeah, and there's that's this, like beautiful stained exactly glass above it. Yeah, like you know they're wide. They shouldn't really be. You would think that intimidating. It's not like a narrow, scary oh, little staircase. Absolutely. And there's no threat of like falling through slats. Like it's just no. a big, comfy looking staircase. And yeah. so I'm standing at the bottom of the staircase with our other friend that we were touring this place with, and Allison just will not come down the stairs. I literally, and we're like, what's I, going on? You guys, I literally <laughs> had to sit down and scoot my butt <laughs> down these stairs. She did. I'm, I was what, 20, 25 Tw- years old? 25, yeah. 20 24 25 years old mm-hmm. i'm not a child i should not be afraid of stairs but you were just so it was something about these stairs yeah so i don't know if bishop's palace was used you know it was if used it as a makeshift people. morgue yeah. i don't know if you know because people were living there at the time yeah. you know that was like the you know that and like what was it? What's the... I think their last names were Gresham. Gresham? Yeah. The Greshams. Yeah. I don't remember all of everything from the notes, but they were... Um, the the man of the house was said to be very, I think, like, finicky, if I remember right, yeah. about, like, his belongings yeah. and really protective of the place. So a lot of times um, some of the ghost stories, like, revolving around the Bishop's Palace involve, like, him stalking, like, the front area because he's especially during storms they say because he's like nervous um oh. i guess like reliving the the hurricane maybe and um i think the other building in the vicinity that survived across the way was the sacred heart church it's this big like just pure white church yeah. across the way from the bishop's palace and i remember when we were there we read something inside on the wall plaques about the history but mm-hmm. i don't remember it all now and i don't want to get it wrong but i felt like there was something um, regarding like maybe people stayed at the Sacred Heart Church um, after the storm, like took shelter after or during or something like that. But um, I couldn't find a lot of information about the hauntings of the particular place. People are just saying that it's the Greshams, it's the family. Yeah. Um, one thing we did see was that the woman, I can't remember her name either, was said to be very um, hospitable and she threw a lot of parties in the yeah. house. And one of the things that she liked to do was lay pillows across the staircase, that staircase that you had a hard time walking down. Yeah. Um, to for her her friends to rest on, her guests to rest on when they retired from partying. And Diana, um, I just I 
I don't feel like that would make me scared feel any you kind know. of way so i mean i don't know maybe i'm just a baby it sounds like a friendly but, presence like a relatively yeah. I, I never read too many stories about the bishop's palace being like scary and i didn't feel scared when we were in there yeah i mean i never, i didn't feel scared i just felt like I, I don't even know what i felt i can't really explain it i just it was could just strange not move. it just seems almost like you just sensed something and you didn't really know you know maybe not negative but just something like, weird i don't know if it was just like like a thick feeling in the air that mm-hmm. kept me like but i wonder if she was a big hosp- like you know if she was very hospitable and really concerned about her guests if she hovers around the stairs while people maybe. tour the house maybe. you know because um people tour that house all the time i, I mean it's know. like yeah all day every day people coming in and out for tours and i remember feeling something like kind of weird around the like the bookshelves areas and yeah. stuff but like i can really name it it was just it was peaceful it was just kind of strange. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. Like, I never felt uncomfortable. I never felt like I wasn't wanted there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's... I, it's just one of those it's things. It's one of those things that yeah. I'm never going to know, you know? <laughs> and it's it's bizarre. It's, it's Our conclusion bizarre. is that the Bishop's Palace is non-threatening. Yes. But it is something. It's something. We <laughs> just don't know something what. There. <laughs> I don't remember how we got on the Bishop's Palace. I, don't, I mean, I I just kind of wanted to touch on it since yeah. we've both been there. Mm-hmm. So that is where we will end off with today's episode. So thank you for listening and we hope you keep listening. And if you want to find us on social media, you can find us at Instagram at the morning hour pod. Morning is M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. If you want to send us any kind of creepy story that you might have that, you know, you may want us to read on air one day. Any Galveston stories? Yeah, any Galveston stories? Stoies. Stoies? Stoies? (laughs) Any, you know, if if you've ever experienced, you know, anything weird in Galveston or just in weird in general, if you've been a serial killer, I don't know, you know? (laughs) Send us a Gmail. A Gmail. Send us an email at our Gmail. (laughs) So, and that is also the morning hour pod at gmail.com. Morning again, M O U R N I N G. So, yeah, that's, we'll see you in the next, or we won't see you, but you'll hear us. So, you'll hear us. You'll hear us in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right. Bye. bye. <laughs>